I mean, you know, if it's a if it's a high fidelity burp, it's a high fidelity burp. The 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 quality of the audio is still still up there. High fidelity. Diddy, diddy, diddy. <laughs> it's looking, I must say, a lot like Christmas. A, a lot. No, actually, it's not looking anything like Christmas, <laughs> and it's kind of starting to bum me out. But uh, your room is looking very bright today. Is this your sun lamp? Uh, yeah, I've got my sun lamp over here. Usually it's like right here kind of reflecting off the wall. Uh, and I have my other lamp over here, just my normal desk light. Where, and where is your heating lamp in all of this? Oh, it is down on the floor because it is like that big. Oh, oh, oh. You want to see it? Yeah, actually, yeah. <gasps> Holy shit. Yeah, that's that is large. That's like uh that's like what like 1.25 the size of like an oscillating desk fan yes uh if i turned it on and it's not plugged in it would be glowing orange wow and i'll talk about it on the podcast but i i love this thing that's intense but it sounds like it's a good been, purchase uh, it was a good purchase it's probably one of my favorite purchases i've made this year that's your blanket sweater. That's my blanket sweater. <laughs> uh, I still love the blanket sweater. I wore it to a meeting yesterday. Did anyone comment on it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wore it because people asked me to wear it because uh, I, I mentioned it a couple okay. meetings ago. You were specifically asked to wear the blanket sweater. Yeah. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but I wasn't wearing it. And they're like, oh, you should you should wear that to the next meeting. And then this last meeting, they were like, well, let's all dress up in like festive clothes like holiday clothes and i was like this is the closest that i get to that like (laughs) i'm just gonna be cozy as fuck and it was i know you went to to see me in a goofy christmas sweater this is the best you get right so appreciate it (sighs) i went the opposite direction this year when it comes to coziness and instead of having a blanket that you put on to like keep your own warmth in you what if i just got a gun that shoots heat directly at my face (laughs) heat on apply directly to the forehead (laughs) basically if i left this on high i could just be sitting here in shorts if i wanted to well they're they are comfy and easy to wear It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap Podcast. I'm Jimmy. I'm Tyler. And now. this week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 16, Merger of the Big Five, Part 3. I'm not Jimmy. I'm Tyler. I'm actually Tyler. I just wanted to see what would happen. No, hello. It is me, Tyler. Oh, no. Help. I've been trapped in Jimmy's body. Guess I'll make a spreadsheet about it. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Got him. I did. I... I don't know if you saw on Twitter. I did make another spreadsheet today. I did see that. I've been meaning to play it. I made a. I made a, a Frogger game. Yeah, for the listener at home, I used Google Sheets to make a Frogger clone, and then I woke up at about five thirty this morning and was like, "I should make it a Cyberpunk Frogger clone." And so, 
<laughs> so all the uh, all the descriptions and feature lists that I wrote on on Twitter are all just jabs at cyberpunk uh, the the game that shall not be played. So many bugs, but good thing you're a frog and can eat them. Right. Well, there's one bug, so it, it canonically <laughs> has fewer bugs than than the other cyberpunk game. Uh, but but n- not no bugs because then it wouldn't be cyberpunk if it didn't have any bugs. <laughs> Uh, you also get points for catching the bug. That's important. That is important. That's good. Um, hi. Hello. You. It's, it's, I I was not here last week. Well, I was here. Right. We skipped a week because I woke up the day we were supposed to record, and I had a bunch of guys right outside my window fixing the gutters from that time that tree fell on our house in freaking October. Yeah, eight years ago in October. <laughs> yeah, sixteen twenty twenty years ago. In 2020 time. I genuinely like when I think about you texting me, hey, like a tree just fell over in my patio. I remember that as being last year. Like in my in my mind calendar, that is a 2019 event. I was scrolling down my Instagram the other day and I saw a picture from last year uh, when I went and saw the McElroys. Oh, yeah. uh, In in Portland. And it just like looking back on that and just like the concepts involved of like being around other people and like traveling to an event is just bonkers it felt like a lifetime ago uh at, it's like yes i remember doing that when i was eight years old <laughs> right at uh so yesterday at work we had, a, we had a team meeting i have a fairly like small european team um and we were all talking about like what is something like nice that's happened to you since last christmas because we're all getting ready for for christmas here uh and I like I was really struggling to think of things, and I ended up talking about my blanket sweater for a while because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I bought this great sweater, and I completely forgot that in in January, Jimmy of this year, I was in Florida. I went to That's Disney. Right, you World. were in Florida. I went to Disney World. I went to a concert at the House of Blues and saw my favorite band, Motion City Soundtrack. That was this year that that happened. But this it is feels when like... you insert the like sting music from Interstellar. Yeah. Where it's like 51 years is like one year on this planet. I mean, is Interstellar the movie of this generation? Interstellar is a movie of this year where the planet is dying and time is completely warped beyond all meaning. Now, I haven't seen Interstellar, so you could tell, tell me basically anything about the plot and I would believe you. I remember there being something about love. Uh, the robot is the guy's daughter from the future. Fuck off. What? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I've seen you, that man. robot. That's That would be amazing if that were true. Man, I want a body like Tars. Just, I want to get somewhere quickly. And then I just turn into an asterisk shape and go at like 60 miles an hour. That reminds me a lot of... Um... Oh, I'm going to forget the kid's name now, uh, but do you remember in the Robin Williams movie Hook, there was that lost boy that just curled himself up into a ball and rolled? God, I do remember that vaguely. It's been a while since I've seen Hook. Uh, oh, thank God. It autofills, <laughs> it autofills Hook lost boy rolling, so I'm not the first kid. <laughs> no, no, this is not his name. No, the character. What's his name? Sonic T. Hedgehog. God damn it. No. The character who's the token fat kid in Hook, arguably one of the better characters in Hook, played by Rashawn Hammond, the character's name is Thudbutt. Thudbutt! 
the most lost boy name there ever fucking was. The only thing I really remember about Hook is the scene at the intro when the parents come home and there's just like the jagged line all the way like through the house and up the stairs where Hook has just been taking his Hook hand and like putting it through their wallpaper. That scared the shit out of me as a kid. It's such a good scene. Oh, hello, cat. Oh, let me let the cat out. He's been (laughs) loafing on my bed this whole time but now he wants out and oh, he is well, voicing his complaints like many of our listeners they wish to extricate themselves from the podcast <laughs> as quickly as possible uh, it's just you and me now everybody jimmy's left his headphones at the desk okay shut up shh, shh, shh. here he is hey are How's you talking to the listeners without me are you talking behind my back no no i couldn't even see your back <laughs> all right i took a sip of water here we're gonna get to the episode in a second but we had an email. We actually have a couple emails that I'm going to read uh, uh, this episode. And I'm Some very... hate mail. No, no, actually, very good. Uh, so, how dare Jimmy win with his bullshit reasoning in the monster? Okay, task okay, we did get one of those emails. Um, I knew it. <laughs> that also reminds me, I need to pull up Jimmy wins four to check in on that. So I'll do that in a separate tab. Trevor W writes in. Trevor says, "Hi, Tyler and Jimmy. Also, hi, commission. Hi." Hi, Commissioner Lauren. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller, emailer. So here's what I managed to dig up about the possible meaning of Desvoskov. Oh, Desvoskov. Desvoskov. You'll remember from uh, last episode, the card that Jimmy and I could not stop saying the name of. (laughs) I do remember Desvoskov. Trevor says, the des part of Desvoskov is slight censoring on Konami's part. It's literally just Japanese for death. So its name in Japan would be Death Volstgolf. Other, other examples of this are the cards Death Koala and Death Kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're, you're telling me that there is like bad versions of koalas and kangaroos in this game? This game has Death Koalas and Kangaroos. This is <laughs> Drop Bears. <laughs> this is get ya. Yu-Gi-Oh! Down Under. <laughs> Oh, that's not a trap card. This is a trap card. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. As for the Volst Golf part of it, the only relevant info I could find was that Volst might be Dutch for full. Volst might be Dutch for full or complete, and golf might be another word for golf, like a like a bay. Uh, I couldn't find any more info about what language it could be, so maybe it's misspelled or mistranslated or something. Taken together, it might mean to completely engulf something, so maybe it's supposed to mean it kills its victims by swallowing it whole. In all likelihood, it's probably just a made-up, slightly foreign-sounding word that just sounds cool to say. Uh, the other, only other information I could find about this particular card is that it's apparently completely useless meta-wise, but it's worth a decent oh, amount no. of money due to how rare it is, somewhere around $1,500 to $2,000. Damn. Oh, dang. Uh, and speaking of rare cards, there's an extremely rare card you might be interested to know about called Tyler the Great Warrior, a unique one-of-a-kind card made for someone named Tyler Gressel, who was diagnosed with cancer in 2002 and got to make his own card through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Looks like the owner is still around and has gotten offers for up to $75,000 for it. Wow. Damn. Anyway, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. So thank you much. Uh, thank you so much for 
helping make this year a little bit more bearable, and I'm excited to see how you'll react to the next couple arcs in Yu-Gi-Oh! If you thought this season had some bullshit, wait until you see season four. Thanks again, Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. That was a great email. I feel like we get that every time we start a new season. Yeah. It's like you thought this season was dumb. What it, wait until the next one. And it just escalates from there. Uh, I looked up Tyler the Great Warrior and checked this guy out. He's Super Saiyan. Uh, oh, hang on. I got to go back to our chat. Oh, shit. No, he's literally, yeah, that's a, that there is a Super Saiyan with a samurai sword and uh, uh, shuriken. Yeah, he's a ninja with a samurai sword, but he's also doing a Hadouken. Uh, but he's Hadoukening some shuriken. Uh, you know what that is, Jimmy? That's a great what? warrior. That, that He's a pretty great warrior. That's a pretty, that looks like a pretty, uh, you know, I don't know the guy. I, I don't know this guy from Adam, but looks like a pretty great warrior to me. I'd say that's a pretty great warrior. That's really cool. I remember I remember hearing stories about somebody making a card as like a make-a-wish thing, but that's that's cool that that's like real, I guess. It's cool that it's so rare that people are like trying to buy it off him now. Yeah. For crap tons of money. Yeah. Uh, I'm checking in on Jimmy Wins 4. Speaking of Jimmy Wins. Jimmy Wins 4. If you go to uh, uh, heartofthe.cards slash Jimmy Wins 4, Am I uh, still in the lead? You are still in the <laughs> It is Jimmy wins after all. Jimmy, you oh, are currently God. in the lead. Actually, no. Let me, start at the, let me start at the opposite end. We have 18 people actively playing. Of course, this game is simultaneously played by everyone in the world, so there's a lot of people in last place. Uh, number 18, coming in at one point, is Mac, who I believe is friend of the show, Mac. Uh, some other notable entrants, we have The at 33 points. Just The. <laughs> Uh, at, uh, number 14, we have not Jimmy and not Jimmy so has, else. not Jimmy has 69 points. Nice. And then everyone from 14 to seven has 69 points. Uh, <laughs> you all did that on purpose. I have 169 points. Uh, my friend Reva has 420 points cause she found this game and thought it was hilarious uh james who is not you i'm sorry uh has 500 points dab meister 2 who i believe is listener dab has 1090 points and jimmy you are in first place with 3063 points hell yeah congratulations you are still winning jimmy wins (laughs) if i wasn't i'd be very concerned that would be worrying that that would yeah i don't i don't think it's possible for you to lose jimmy wins i'm just gonna put that out there uh you were gonna talk also about your heater is that right that i'm looking here in the notes yes um so as i as we were getting into the the colder winter months it starts to get dark here around 3 30 p.m now um i realized that what i miss most especially since i can't go home and visit my family this year is being able to sit by the fire play video games or watch tv or read or whatever i want to do but just sitting and like feeling that radiant heat and i've basically been without any sort of radiant heat source for like 10 years now oh wow ever since i ever since uh, i moved up here yeah um so i decided to do something about that and i got a parabolic space heater not really a space heater because it doesn't heat the the space it doesn't heat air what it is is basically a radar dish with a uh, a heating element in the center like you see outside it like patios 
Yeah, you showed it to me earlier. It's basically like a, it looks like a big, uh, like oscillating desk fan. Yeah, except like you said, 2.5 times as big, which is about the right size. But um, it's basically a giant gun that shoots heat directly at your face. Uh, And I love it. I, I turn this thing on and just like within seconds, it feels like I'm sitting right next to an enormous like crackling fire. That's amazing. And for uh, living in a colder climate where it's like constantly raining at the time, it is genuinely so cozy. Yeah. I love it. That's fantastic. That's... I would turn it on right now, except I've, I have to unplug other things just to get in there. Oh, fair, fair. Like my light. Does it, does it use a lot of power, have you found? Like... Uh, not really. It's a, it's a thousand watts. Okay. Um, but it, because it's so directionalized, um, it's not wasting any of its heat like, like a space heater does where it's just like warming the air, yeah. which will take a while. This is just like, I want one specific area to be warm. And right. this is like just a blast of heat right at your face. And you like move a foot to the left and you're, you're out of it and it doesn't feel warm anymore. God, that sounds ideal. It is ideal because then you don't have to worry about the rest of your like environment heating up because you only if you're like sitting down somewhere, you're only using that one space. You don't really need to heat the entire room. Right, exactly. And like, that's why we used to have a space heater when we lived. uh, (laughs) We used to live in a place with like, I I don't have time to go into it, but it had really shitty radiators. So we bought. Yeah. So we bought space heaters. Well, no, our, our, our old flat here in England. Oh, that um, one, yeah. It had uh, it had radiators that had to like store heat overnight and then let it out through the day, but they were super inefficient, so it would just be cold again by like ten in the morning. Uh, and you had to like guess at, like at what day was going to be cold. Um, but so we we got space heaters, and I was always like, uh, I don't know, like this is making our electricity bill go up. Is this really worth it? Should I just put on more sweaters? But this sounds like exactly what i could have used in that case where it's just like i just want heat at this one place that i am sitting right now i don't care about the rest of the apartment <laughs> like it is great and it is ideal for that exact purpose if you're not moving anywhere like eventually it'll heat up the rest of the room if you keep sure. it turned on um but if you have it on low it's just like it's constantly cycling on and off and it feels almost like either a fire or i if i put my my sun lamp here next to it I can make my own little like artificial sun uh, here in the side of my room. And it's weird because then th- at that point, uh, the sun is under the horizon, which feels weird because you're not oh. used to feeling that heat and like that angle of sunlight f- coming from like down at the floor level. <laughs> I wonder, and I'm, sh- I'm sure I could look this up on YouTube and find people who've done this. I wonder if you could hook that up to... Um... You know how there there's people that do the lighting around their desktop monitors and they have like mm-hmm. the, the ambient lighting match the video game they're playing? I wonder if you could somehow rig the sun lamp and the heat lamp to match <laughs> to match the light and warmth of a video game. So you could be you could be playing Red Dead Redemption or something and the I sun... was just thinking about that. You go from it's like pouring rain, but then you like go over to Mexico. And then suddenly you're like, you have to, <laughs> the, your actual real life room heats up. Right, And becomes yeah. physically uncomfortable. You or start like, sweating. Uh, like, you know how in video games that have campfires, there are some that like do or don't cause damage when you walk like into the fire. Like there's some games where it just like doesn't pay attention. 
what if you could have <laughs> your actual self heat up when your virtual character walks near a campfire? That'd be amazing. I did. Would it? I remember reading a long time ago uh, about, it was a, a game tale about uh, someone who ran a, a tabletop game where everyone was like exploring these ruins on Mars. Mm. And like, so, but for environmental effects, he turned all the lights off except red ones and then turned his heat all the way up. And so as time went on, people got like more and more uncomfortable as their characters like in the game also started to get more and more uncomfortable and Jesus. started to slowly go insane what the and fuck? they had to like call it earlier because everyone at the table was just like i can't do this anymore this is so weird oh god that sounds horrible as they just got like hotter and hotter and started to sweat and like felt weird that sounds miserable i th- i thought i mean immersive um, though yeah sure sure <laughs> i mean i i was thinking like it would be similar to to dread you know, Dread is a, a horror role-playing game where you play, instead of with dice, you play with a Jenga tower. And in order to do something, you have to pull a block from the Jenga tower so it gets more difficult as time goes on. So your your real-life anxiety is matching your character's anxiety as, like, the horror builds. But God, that sounds... That's, that's endurance gaming is what that is. <laughs> you have something you want to talk about, too. Yeah, speaking of endurance gaming... I don't know, like, this isn't a particularly deep well, but, like, I've been playing the original Fire Emblem. Pardon me. Ooh, there, there's that pizza coming back. Ooh, boy. This is going to be a rocky one, folks. Um, so I, I've been playing the original uh, Fire Emblem because they, they re... Uh, they re... What's the word? Least. Not really. They remastered. There we go. Well, they kind of remastered. They, they re-released the uh, original version of Fire Emblem that I've already forgotten the name of. It's like the dark dragon and the sword of light or something like that. And it's, it's fine. It's fine. Right. Like there's a lot of like original, uh, I think it was super NES. Um, it wasn't super. Okay. What was it? Or was it even before that? Now I'm, now I have to look it up because I can I can feel the listener version of me being like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, oh, pardon me, Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light. Um, oh, those are my two favorite Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> yeah, actually. Uh, it was, uh, oh, first published for the family computer. So it was a, it was a Famicom game. Hmm. Um, so it, it's it's fine is where I was going with this. You can you can tell it's an early game because there's things like you click on a character and it's that same like top down sort of grid based strategy system that you're used to in a Fire Emblem game. Um, you you can click on a character and you can see okay they're moving differently. They're doing like an up and down arm motion now, um, but I can't tell where they can move to. Like usually oh. like in the newer games, it would turn tiles blue based on where the character can move and all the blue tiles are the ones they can move to this nothing changes you have to move your cursor and then when your cursor stops moving that's as far as the character can move oh weird so you have to like keep like kind of guessing at where each character can get to um but the thing that i that stuck out to me that i thought was really interesting and i kind of hope that this is where more games go and i was thinking i, I would really love this in that Yu-Gi-Oh game that I tried and hated. Uh, if you click the 
I think it's either both the left and right bumpers, or I think they might have even mapped it to X now that I'm thinking about it. Um, it pulls up a, a menu that's separate from the rest of the game. It's like a new menu they built in. Mm. And it has uh, speed up features. So you can speed up the enemy's turn if you want so that you don't have to wait for them to make their turn. Because that's the other thing is in newer Fire Emblem games, it's just very quick. Like, all right, that enemy's going to move there. That enemy's going to move there. That enemy's going to move there. In this version, you have to watch the cursor move to an enemy character, select it, move oh, to the spot they're going to move to. No, well, it's, it's the same cursor sprite, but the AI takes control. And it's tedious, to say the least. That sounds um, so unnecessary. But they also have a bookmark feature, which I thought was really nice. And it's the same bookmark feature they have on the Nintendo Online stuff, uh, if you're familiar with that, where you can just hit create bookmark and then leave and come back to it. Or just it, freezes your state exactly as it is in the game. Exactly. Or if you're bad at Fire Emblem like me, you can create a bookmark, try something. It won't work. You go back to the bookmark and do the smart thing. Brilliant. Yeah. So it's taken me probably about four hours to get through the first three maps. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because That's the thing about especially uh, original Nintendo games, you go back and play them. And I, I understand why you would want to play them just because they're like original games and you want to see how far yeah. games have come. But like, you can tell why we've had 30 years of game improvements in the years since then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's, it's I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm glad that I paid the money for it. It was like six bucks or something. Um, because it's like having, it's like going to a museum. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that I can look at and I can really appreciate but I'm not taking it home with me. Yeah, you see, like, here's, like, a mortar and pestle. People used to, like, put acorns in here and grind it up into mush. And it's like, you could do that now, but why would you? Right, right. Thank God people did it then, because we wouldn't have yeah. a blender otherwise. Otherwise we would die. Right. But uh, I'm I'm going to go see if uh, this device that I have at home can turn my iPhone into soup. <laughs> Will it blend? That's God. Do, 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 do. What's that guy up to? I don't know. Pre- presumably still doing Will It Blend. Will It Blend. Uh, okay, hang on. Will It Blend, YouTube. For the listener at home, if you have not heard of Will It Blend, you're missing out. Uh, definitely definitely some good quarantine watching. Uh, yeah, last video was one month ago. Did a Mandalorian... Uh. Uh, episode did a episode about key car fobs well that guy struck it big with one bit and he's sticking to it sticking to it this it's just a a guy putting stuff in a blender to see how well it blends yeah and you know you want to see stuff get put in a blender did they start as did they start as commercials i mean is that what it was it's for the one it's for the blend tech blender it's that's right commercial that they were just like, let's see how much stuff that this high-end blender can blend. Very similar to like the hydraulic press channel, which is just mm. about pressing things with the hydraulic press. Uh, oh, here we go. Ooh, this this is an interesting episode. Will it blend Ford Fiesta? I assume they take it apart first. Yeah, it looks like he dismantles the car and blends it. Huh. Sure. All right. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna well, save that for later. <laughs> 
I ostensibly this is a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. Ostensibly, one might be deceived into thinking it is so. Is this the point of the show where we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh? This is the point of the show. Thirty minutes in, where we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh, the central uh, conceit of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's do that. It's time to discuss the episode. Uh, now, okay, so at this point, I am going to quickly read uh, uh, an email from Simi, aka the architect, the mayor of Simi City, because it's an it's a email that pertains to last week's episode. Uh, so as always, Simi writes in to uh, uh, review our performance in the task dungeon uh, part of the episode. But in this case, Simi has provided some backstory to uh, <laughs> to Dark Paladin and their family. <laughs> um, Dark so family. Uh, uh, the, the title of the episode, of the, not the episode, of the email is Simi Apologizes. And it starts with, I will not apologize for advocating for Tyler until he stands up for himself. Oh, thanks, Simi. We should all help people that are bullied gain strength to stand up and resist. Rise, my meek and downtrodden masses. Oppress the oppressors. Ahem. Is Sorry, I may have been left alone too long. I think that's you, Jimmy. Before I get into the tragedy of High Commissioner the Inconsistent, and I'm not going to read the whole email, but the, the end of the email is also Simi being like, this is a joke, please. <laughs> The High Commissioner is great. Uh, uh, let's first take a look at the rabbit hole I fell into, just reminding myself what Dark Paladin looked like. First up, there is Dark Paladin Girl. Uh, of course there is. As you would suspect, it's a sexed up version of Dark Paladin uh, and uh, a Dark Magician Girl. Similar abilities. And what led me to look deeper was the last little bit in the card description. It says, you can special summon one dark paladin monster from your extra deck except dark paladin girl ignoring its summoning conditions huh how many different dark paladins are there but also wouldn't that count as a special summon which dark paladin the original dark paladin explicitly disallows what rule supersedes here hmm so then simi looks for other dark paladin cards and finds dark paladin of chaos Again, Dark Paladin of Chaos says must be fusion summoned and cannot be special summoned in other ways. So, hmm, looks like Dark Paladin Girl would supersede this, but still, hella sus, as the kids would say. Onward, Simi then found Dark Chaos Paladin, which is just flipping the last two words of the last card, and it's it's a new card, I guess. Uh, and then, ooh, and I actually, this is a difficult card to read. It's light gray text on a purple background. Dark Luster Paladin of envoy all those words and they couldn't so fit lord of dragon on a card they had to go for lord <laughs> of d so i went through all this and shared it all to tell you that none of these are real and i felt foolish wait none of these are real Simi, what i know it hurts but even the architect can make mistakes however they are minor and caught before being blasted out into the world and like this travesty of a match parentheses i love you lauren it's all in fun uh, then Simi goes on to talk about our performance in the Task Dungeon, but I needed to bring up the first part of this episode because for some reason I thought it corresponded to the last episode, but I must have been conflating the Task Dungeon with Yu-Gi-Oh! And those are separate things. My apologies for yet another tangent. This episode, Merger of the Big Five, Part 3. Jimmy, did you read the translated title for this episode? <laughs> 
Yes, I love the translated title for this episode because it states exactly what you need to do with this thing. The translated title here. Let me. Okay, hang on. Let me. Let me get the the gusto I need for this translated title. The translated title is "Defeat It, Five Headed Dragon." <laughs> oh, oh, that's what you have to do with the five headed dragon. Okay, okay, I'll I'll, I'll get right on that. Defeat it. <laughs> uh, the summary is one of the shortest summaries we've had in a long time. This is just like one sentence. <laughs> it's again. Here's what must happen. The summary is, Yugi and Joey are forced to use their strongest monsters to take down the five-headed dragon. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. So they, pl- so they play dual monsters. So they play, yeah, so they, they duel. And there's a bad guy that they have to beat in a contest of cards. <laughs> Color me surprised. That I... took an unexpected turn. <laughs> um... So I, I I will say I went back to watching Yu-Gi-Oh at normal speed. You'll remember that watching at 1.25 speed had some poor effects on my body. Uh it's still bad. It's still bad to the point where I I had to like I, my body physically agreed with the Duke in the first shot of this episode where Duke says, "This doesn't look good, guys." <laughs> and I said, "No, Duke. No, it does not." There's something about this episode that disagrees with me. Um, yeah, so the episode starts out. I had completely forgotten that they were just randomly dueling by the side of a highway, a digital highway mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that doesn't need to exist. It's there. Life but they're is just a like they're just dueling like they just got in a car accident and are waiting for uh, a tow truck to show up. <laughs> They're doing. They got some road rage, so they're dueling each other. Yeah, but it, but it's it's on the. Where are we in the duel though? Because I've completely lost track of what's happening now. When last we met our heroes, uh, Lecter, who is currently in charge of the Tristan body, was like, "I'm going to summon this big creature," and here we. He just starts off doing that again. He's, he's like, "You could begin to imagine what monster lurks in my deck." And Yugi just sells. Yugi yells, "Tell me!" And he's like, "Oh, you'll find out because I'm about to summon it." <laughs> First in a long line of horrible lines in this episode. <laughs> They're not good. Uh, as the title of the episode dictates, uh, he's going to try and bring out five-headed dragon, which is the same monster that we saw last time. We saw the big five uh, in the first digital realm. Digital like, Realm Prime. Uh, yeah, like a full season and a half ago, or whenever the hell it was. Oh god, yeah, that was so long ago. <laughs> but for Five-Headed Dragon to come out, they need to sacrifice five monsters, but they only have one monster. I forget who it is. Uh, it might be Jinzo. Well, yeah, Lecter is in Tristan's body, so it's Jinzo. Yeah. Wow, that's some weird mental math you have to do to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Transitive properties... Uh, but soon they none of that matters anymore. So they need five monsters to be on the field for them to even summon five headed dragon. So to get around this, they summon all five deck masters at once, which sounds like some real horseshit. Yeah, that that's the it. I literally wrote oh for fuck's sake in my notes because this like rules as written lawyering is the most bullshit thing they could have come up with. We do this a lot this episode, where the entire c- 
conceit of this entire season so far, where you need your deck master to be on the field, and if they disappear, you're out. They just completely chuck it out the window. Yeah, and it starts with, okay, there's one deck master, and they need five monsters. Yeah, and so you Lector... get one deck master, and then they just keep swapping out new deck masters, which is right. Yeah, okay, you're all in one body. Fuck you. Sure, guys. sure, sure. It was it was a one at a time sort of system. Yeah. Well, here they just go, and all five deck masters just go, <laughs> and there they are, and then and there they are, and they the... all need to be uh, different aspects, different types, they need to... different types of monster, and conveniently. They're all different types. And they're all the right types. They they're need, all the right types. They need Because they have this exact water, move. Fire. Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah, there it is. I remembered. Uh, so they stand in a summoning circle. Um, they, they're sacrificed with uh, a philosopher's stone. Uh, Edward, the Elric brothers are very upset. Uh, and they create Hiram McDaniels. I mean, five-headed dragon. <laughs> Ooh, a deep cut. Uh, uh so yeah. okay so so they so they summon the mayor they summon the mayor of night vale and uh yeah so it's 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 cool right like it's cool to look at it's a big dragon yeah. it's got five it's, heads each head is like its own element and like one of the heads is just made out of water and one of them is just made out of fire i think one of them is made out of lightning or something that sounds right trying to yeah, picture not. it now it's been a week since i've watched this episode yeah it's got five heads it doesn't yeah. matter except um so this monster is summoned and the big five in tristan's body are riding the middle head They're that's just standing nice on top though of it. i like that that is that's pretty fun cool. finally but... you can like interact with your monster instead of just having it come out on the field in front of you yeah that's i'm not i'm choosing to be thankful for every small part of joy this episode can <laughs> convey <laughs> Uh, at this point, Joey reminds us this is the same monster they fought the first time they faced the Big Five, uh, which is good because I had completely forgotten that <laughs> this is the same monster. Right. Uh, they, uh, they, sorry, I got to scroll through my notes here because there's so much of me just being, oh, fuck this. Um, oh, so they summon the dragon and it appears and it its special ability, I guess, is when it gets summoned, it destroys... All of the cards on Yugi and Joey's side of the field. At this point, why not just call it Jimmy wins five? <laughs> the big five win. Yeah, Because I mean, it yeah. comes out, and not only does it wipe the field of all their opponent's cards, it's also immune to fire, earth, water, wind, and darkness, leaving only light available to attack it. So good luck with that. Yeah, it's it's this like uh, this like Steve Jobs-esque, like, oh, and one more thing. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it's so ridiculously overpowered, it's hilarious. Um, but it reminds me of... Uh, I used to play Total Annihilation a lot as a kid. And what was mm. unique about Total Annihilation is that it was a dev-supported ability in the game where you could just like download new units into mm -hmm. your game. Um, and so there would be these all these online databases that people made their own combat units that you could download and put in the game, and then you could make them in the game and send out against your opponents. Um, obviously some of these were absolutely obscenely overpowered, like they could fly and float on water and they could build things instantly and they could just one shot anything. And sure, of course sure. I downloaded some of these because I was a kid and thought it was hilarious to absolutely bulldoze the AI. Um, and that's exactly what this reminds me of. 
Yeah, it's like it's like they let a child write the rules for the card. It's it's all the types except it's, one, I guess, and it's super big and strong, and it kills everything, and you can't beat it except for this one type. It's like kids playing when it's like I shoot laser at you. Yeah, well, my skin is titanium, so it just bounces off, and it's like you're just making shit up as you go along. Yeah. Uh, I do appreciate, though, that Lecter, so all that happens. Lecter then is like, oh, and I play a face down card because I'm not a complete idiot. (laughs) Yeah, but this is still a game. Uh, It's also still nighttime somehow, or or it's nighttime again, all of it. It, Like it was. It was daytime. It was like high noon last episode, I think. And now it is nightfall. Yeah, I think. One of the side effects of summoning this monster is suddenly it's dark and spooky out, just so you're going to better appreciate this monster. It's the, I, okay, I didn't even think of it that way. I was just like, wow, they've been standing here a while while they do this summoning bullshit. No, the beginning of this episode, it was like super bright out. It was only when this monster comes out. I was confused about the passage of time here. Uh, It brings its own skybox with it. Well, that's handy. Uh, Yugi and Joey sort of confer a bit here as they're trying to figure out like, okay, do we, do we have anything that can beat this? Yugi says to trust his deck master, or he says to Joey to trust his deck master. Yeah. Just trust, just trust your deck master. We're fine. Trust doesn't say heart of the cards, which I feel like is an affront to the heart of the cards. Joey's just like, oh yeah, my deck master. Yes. This is, this is, everything's fine. We're all fine here. It doesn't he share a look with Flame Swordsman at this point? Because Flame Swordsman is his deck master who's standing right there. And the show has implied has a degree of sentience. Yeah, like within the confines of this game. Like these are like actual people that you can like. These are sentient mailer demons that you can then talk to. <laughs> right. So he's, he's like, yeah, trust me. It's fine. Uh, Joey draws a card. Which I forget what it was. I didn't write it down. He plays three cards face down on the field. And then he summons Flame Swordsman to the field. And that's a dangerous move because if Flame Swordsman dies, Joey dies. And if Joey dies, an old man gets his body. Yeah. So we've already seen he's still playing by the rules. Even though the the big five just sacrificed all their deck masters at once. And now they're all sharing the same deck master. Yeah. You know, it's... They've basically said at this point, it's it's Outback Duel House, no rules, just right. You can have any number of deck masters transformed into any sort of permutations imaginable, as long as you still have something that you can point to and say, yeah, that's my deck master. <laughs> it's just a usual suspect sort of thing. Like, yeah, my deck master's um, uh, chair. <laughs> uh, chair, I choose you. <laughs> chair. So Yugi draws magical hats, and he's like, oh, a surprise tool that will help us later. Hooray. Uh, he summons his own deck master, uh, Dark Magician, and uh, Lecter has uh, a great line here. He says, I'd say five heads are better than two, because they have five deck masters yeah, in one deck okay. master. I, can, I see where you're coming from there, Lecter. Sure, sure, okay. I'll let you have that one. Uh, so Yugi then does... I forget how he does this, but he combines their deck masters. Okay. His and Joey's. I'm so glad that you said that you forgot because I wrote down beat for beat what happens in the episode and I filled oh, in 
polymerization because it doesn't say. Like I like I rewatched this scene and every time I rewatched it, I thought I had missed something because it is not explained. All right, go, let us walk us through walk us down the the field here. Let us know uh, what exactly happens. Okay, so they, there's a flashback of the last time they defeated the Big Five. And that time, Yugi summoned the Master of Dragon Soldier to defeat the Big Five. You remember Master of Dragon Soldier, that card we all know and love? Love Master of Dragon Soldier. And he's thinking he's to himself... Not, not only a soldier, he's also a Master of Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Just the singular dragon. <laughs> this time, though... And he's, he's saying this to himself. He says he doesn't have the right cards. But, and this is where it gets fuzzy. What he says is, I can combine Dark Magician and Flame Swordsman. Can you? The implication is that he uses a polymerization card, but it is never said. So he just kind of says something happens and then it happens. And then it happens, Jimmy. That's how this game works now. If you say it with confidence, it becomes true. And what happens is, is he combines Dark Magician and Flame Swordsman, uh, which I didn't know, I didn't realize that you could just like yoink your teammate's card. Yeah, not to mention their deck master. Right. They kind of need that to survive. Up until now, there was respect for the deck master. There was some (laughs) sort of a sanctity there, you know? Uh, Hashtag but, but, respect the deck. <laughs> uh, uh, so they combine into a new card called Dark Flare Knight. And suddenly they're dueling in space. Did I guess so. This? Yeah. It's so, it's very anime is really the only way I can describe it. Like think of Dark Flare Knight. Just just sit at, sit at home, close your eyes, picture the words Dark Flare Knight. And then, like, find the anime knob in your imagination and just keep turning it. And I'm as soon 90% as you think you've sure got it, I could very easily make Dark Flare Knight in Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, I'm, I'm positive. I'm positive. This is not the most anime card we're going to get this episode. This is the, the like, black and red version. Um, it's... God, I'm trying to find another way to describe it other than just like it's anime as hell and it looks like a Final Fantasy XIV character, but that's literally it. Like, just think of that. He, yeah, he is Flame Swordsman and Dark Magician combined into one guy. It's, he, I mean, it's great. It's good to look at. I'm into it. I'm not complaining. He got doesn't fixed. last long. Doesn't last long. <laughs> no. Uh, Dark uh, Flare Knight attacks. Well, five headed. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, first, Lecter mocks him for summoning Dark Flare Knight when he's obviously a dark-type monster when they can only right. win with a light-type. And it's like, you fucking idiots. He doesn't say that. I wish he did. <laughs> I wish he did. <laughs> I think... You I'm, two have trodden on my southern hospitality for too long. <laughs> you dumb pieces of shit. I think there's one thing that we can all agree on. It's that Yu-Gi-Oh! would be vastly improved if everyone could curse. <laughs> If it was rated R for cussing. <laughs> yeah. Cause nothing makes any fucking sense in this world. And it would just be, it would be so nice if Joey could just like sit on the ground and just like look into space and just be like, fuck. <laughs> Finally put his New York mouth to use. Which yeah. is just the worst swears imaginable. Like someone cut him off in traffic. <laughs> 
what's that line from uh, a Christmas story? Uh, if if expletives were yarn, my father could knit a blanket that could cover the entire uh, Lake Michigan. I don't remember that at all. It's it's from like really early on in the movie when he's talking about how much his dad swears and. I didn't relate to that at first. And now I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I get that. I understand what that means now. Um, anyway, so, uh, um, he, so he mocks them and then the dark flare Knight attacks. And I, can you explain this to me? He says, Lecter says five headed dragon counterattack. You can do that. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm asking. Is that a thing or is that just the visual representation of like, battle with scare quotes i have no idea but here's how it goes down yugi tells him to attack anyway and so lector yells for the dragon to counterattack. there's one of those dueling animes things that's in like every anime and also in harry potter where there's like <laughs> two lasers like going back and forth thank you that thank you in the middle thank you for bringing up harry potter <laughs> that's exactly the reference i wanted <laughs> So the dragon's laser is more, more powerful. So the like glowing center of this beam goes back and destroys Dark Flare Knight. Uh, womp womp, they die. Aww. No, it gets destroyed, but Yugi and Joey are still standing. Yeah, the um, smoke clears. Yeah, there's like a huge surprised. cloud of smoke. And they're like, wah, ha, ha, we have your bodies now. And then like the smoke clears and they're still standing there and their health points are still up. And Lecter's like, what the hell? Um... Yugi explains that when Dark Flare Knight is destroyed, it prevents, number one, it prevents them from losing life points, and also it summons a new creature in its place, Mirage Knight, who is apparently their new deck master. So once again, these are like kids playing like imagination fights at each other, where you can like shoot someone from orbit, but then they like have perfect repel beam that bounces it back or whatever. How how fucking lucky are you, huh? Wow, got just the right card. Uh, and Mirage Knight is like both of their new deck master. Uh, yes, they share a, a deck master now. They're they're like they're like in Gurren Lagann when the head drills into the body, and they become one giant mech that they both control. And Yugi says to Joey, "Don't believe you in yourself." Believe in the me that believes in you. <laughs> Don't believe in yourself, Joey. Believe in the heart of the cards <laughs> that believe in you. Right. Yes, of course. Uh, so th- I think this is my favorite part of this episode here, where Lecter says, why would you bring out another monster? And then there's like a beat and then like a boing sound effect. <laughs> Unless it also has a special ability. <laughs> yeah. But he's yeah, still does. in Tristan's body this whole time. So, like, you see Tristan with this, like, confused look on his face who suddenly becomes shocked. And the boing sound effect is so out of left field. And it's like, it's, and I'm, so, okay, I'm so, like, I'm going to make this episode more blue. The boing sound effect is the boner sound effect. Boing. Boing. It's like, like it's not quite a boing, but it's like, like a violin string getting plucked it's if i may if if i may if i may punch up your boing it's a sproing there's a sproing sound effect thank you tyler and yes bad (laughs) it also has a special ability of course 
Because of course it does. <laughs> so Mirage Knight attacks, and it can also absorb all the attack points of the creature that it's attacking when it attacks. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Unpack that a second. It absorbs the attack points. Yeah, so the five-headed dragon now has zero attack points, and Mirage Knight now also has an additional 5,000 or whatever the dragon's attack points are. So, okay, so the, it's it steals the attack points. It steals the attack points. It's, it is the X-Man rogue. It <laughs> takes the special ability from the five-headed dragon and says, nope, you don't have that anymore. I have it. I have it now. So it's like an insult to injury monster. <laughs> it's Jimmy Win 6 in card form. <sighs> like... All, all right, I guess. Sure. Okay. Why not at this point? So not only does it become far stronger than the dragon, uh, it's also able to defeat it because coincidentally, Mirage Knight is a light type monster. Uh, the one monster that fucking can course. defeat the five-headed dragon. Jimmy, tell and me, does it defeat the five-headed dragon? It both destroys the dragon and obliterates the big five life points in a single hit does it though it would have uh but they are left with 600 points remember that face down card they left they still had that face down card that he played at the beginning of the episode and we completely forgot about yeah which allows them to not take the full hit by sacrificing half their life points and it also summons a new deck master yeah the card <laughs> is called a deal with a dark ruler so so here's the thing is Lecter's really good at playing violin and during his time in Georgia he was playing violin at a crossroads when he was approached by a man in a dark coat the man in the dark coat was very good at playing violin as well and they decided to have a fiddling competition for their soul Lecter won and in return he got this card that would allow him to win a duel against the child he went to a crossroads and dueled the devil at Yukio deal with a dark ruler uh yeah so it it summons a specific monster though it summons, it summons berserk dragon berserk <laughs> dragon it's a regular dragon that's super pissed what's it pissed about up. is my question it's just pissed in general just just for i mean if my name was berserk dragon the first thing i would be angry at is being named berserk dragon <laughs> I have so many other qualities. I'm a loving father and caring husband. I'm a good cook. I mow the yard on Sundays. Uh, Berserk Dragon doesn't. Berserk Dragon's whole deal is that it's a spooky skeleton. I guess so. Like, if Ganondorf had some kind of dragon. I mean, he's had dragons before. But, like, this is a dragon Ganondorf would have. It's, It's not looking necessarily as a skeleton as I remembered it, looking at it now. It's looking like a corpse that has been completely dried out. Yeah, it it does the thing that a lot of skeleton shapes do in Yu-Gi-Oh! where it's like they took the bones of something and then dipped them in uh, uh, like iron or or nickel or something. So it's just all sort of evenly coated with like a, a metallic substance of some kind. This is the Terminator of Dragons. Yeah, sure. Terminator of Dragons would be a really good card name, incidentally. That would be an awesome... That would be better than Berserk Dragon. 
So Berserk Dragon is the new deck master, which is just a thing you can do is just endlessly swap deck masters. And if your deck master dies, you can just get a new one. Yeah, cool. All right. Great. Um, What's this one do? <laughs> uh, let's find out because Mirage Knight uh, is only able to do its like super special attack once. Uh, and then it dissolves back into the two original deck masters. Um, I get, which why? is again a thing that I don't understand because order of events here: Dark Magician, Flame Swordsman. Mm-hmm. They combine through mysterious means to become Dark Flare Knight. Dark Flare Knight is destroyed from the ashes of Dark Flare Knight. I guess comes Mirage Knight somehow. Mirage Knight then still has the original DNA of Flame Swordsman and Dark it's Magician? It's still the original two? This is like a really weird, like, it's a uncomfortable, problem. like, Mendel, uh, uh, like, DNA chart. <laughs> I feel like we're, like, just cr- crossbreeding and, and trying to get back to the original <laughs> at some point. How many, how, how many different permutations can we achieve with just the two original deck masters? Right. God, now I'm just now I'm picturing Dark Magician of Flame Swordsman as peas, and that's very pleasing to me. <laughs> Yugi is just like a farmer gazing out in his field, and there's just a bunch of like swordsmen standing around. A fine just crop sprouting. this year, Joey. Sprouting from the earth. <laughs> um, uh. Serenity is watching, and she yells, "Please don't let them destroy your deck masters." Thanks, Serenity. They've Thanks. already done that several times. Yeah, it turns out it's not as big a deal as people think. <laughs> uh, despite having already attacked twice, uh, Yugi's turn still isn't over. Um, and so he plays a card he just drew, and guess what? It's our good friend, the Magical Hats. Hooray! Um, so he he hides his deck master from the, the enemy, uh, and Joey's like, oh no, my deck master is wide out in the open, and good thing... Uh, he activates Dark Magician's ability uh, for a thousand life points. He can duplicate uh, one of his magic cards, and of course, he duplicates magical hats and hides Flame Swordsman too. Hooray! Great. <laughs> but I'm... here's where it gets even w- more convoluted. Yeah. Guess what? Berserk Dragon can attack four monsters at once. That's its special ability. And Is how it many now? hats do you have when you bring them out? Four. Four. So he can just kill, attack four of the hats and instant kill one of Yugi or Joey. I'm so tired at this point, Jimmy. Like this, this episode just exhausts me, you know? Like, yeah, all right, it does. Sure. Okay. You got around the thing that they did and then they're going to get around it somehow. And like, all right, it's cool. There's a new rule that this I guess episode- is fine. Tyler is the Yu-Gi-Oh equivalent of the last round of Munchkin where everyone's trying to like stab each other in the back and like constantly circumvent what the other is doing. God. Oh, wow. It's been a, it's been a long time since I thought about Munchkin, actually. You know, I can't play that game with my family anymore. You got too good? No, 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 oh. no. Oh, you're also on the other side of the planet. Well, I mean, okay, also that, <laughs> yes. Uh, no, they got super competitive with Munchkin. Oh, man. Really? And my my mom is weirdly into it. Your mom obliterated you at Munchkin? Like, big time. Like, full-on betrayal, 
suddenly killed everyone at the table while amassing like a horde of treasure and taking like I, I it was a nightmare because at some point she debated her way my mom debated her way into going up like five levels in one turn and winning the game and everyone's trying to do this like math of like moving cards around and figuring out wait how can we prevent this from happening and doing this and she's just doing this like like a beautiful mind thing where she's like moving the cards around in such a way that it all works out. And it was honest. Like I know people get stressed around family and around the holidays. Like this was maybe one of the most stressful experiences that I've ever had with my family. <laughs> Perfect kill. Yeah, it was killtacular. It was a kill night. Like there was, there was so much yelling, so much yelling. <laughs> that is hilarious. But yes, that's exactly what this part feels like. God, yeah, that was like that was like five years ago. Um, but that's exactly what this this feels like, Jimmy. It's it's just it's all just bad. Yeah. So now here's where it gets even like not just bad as in like weird. Here's where it gets bad as in like David Lynch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Berserk Dragon can attack four monsters at once. It goes to attack, and suddenly like the episode itself gets weird. Everything gets blurry and we only get freeze frames of what's going on. Yeah. I thought it was glitching the first time. I thought my internet was slow. So everything gets like desaturated and like blurry at, around the edges. And all we see is like close ups and freeze frames of all the characters yelling. It's like the uh, it's like the VHS filter that comes with Final Cut. Yeah. It, there's like this weird like VHS static over everything. It's and it's. It doesn't. It's a weird why? artistic choice that we have literally never seen before. And why does it happen? Sure. There's no context for it. Is it just like, oh, here's an attack happening? The director of this episode is having some fun. Because then, so okay, so Berserk Dragon uh, goes to goes attack. To attack. Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't attack yet. It, it's uh, firing a Slazor. Uh, Joey tells Flame Swordsman to sacrifice himself in order to save Yugi. That's right, because apparently it's no longer a rule that only that one ninja card that Tristan had can do that. Because if you remember, that was Tristan's deckmaster ability was to intercept an attack. Mm-hmm. Apparently any monster can do that now. And so, so Berserk Dragon firing its laser, uh, Flame Swordsman jumps in front of it. Get down, Mr. President. Uh <laughs> To save Yugi, there's a massive explosion that hides the entire field. Uh, the smoke clears again, uh, but Joey is still standing, and so are both of the deck masters. And Lecter's like, what? And then it like cuts back to like normal animation. And so here's what actually happened during all that weird nonsense. Is that Joey used Flame Swordsman to take the attack, but he activated his Silver Dollar Trap card. I don't know if you've ever even seen that before, but it only saves Weak Monster when Flame Swordsman is, like, a pretty powerful card. Right. But Swordsman is a weak monster because it was weakened earlier when he used its ability to transfer its strength to Rocket Warrior, like, an episode or two ago. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it is a weak monster now. It is a weak monster now, and that saved it, and that was me- That meant that with this trap card, it was able to take the attack and not get any damage. Hooray. Hooray. Right? Yeah, hooray. Yeah. Yeah. Now it gets more stuff happens. (laughs) (laughs) 
Joey plays a card called Knight's Title, which uses the power of Her Majesty the Queen uh, to yeah. Knight Dark Magician. Cool. Uh, and he becomes, what, Dark Magician Knight? He does become Dark yeah. Magician Knight. Yes. Dark Magician Knight. So, he gets a so sword. Her Royal Highness, Queen Elizabeth II, appears. Rapier in hand. Dark Magician becomes Dark Magician Knight of the Realm. And then also gets more attack points from Flame Swordsman. <laughs> Completely yeah, it unrelated. Uh, it transfers more power from planes, Flame Swordsman. Um, and so now they've got Dark Magician Knight. He is, he's super powerful. And like we zoom back inside Tristan's head where the big five are all turning on Johnson asking him to freaking explain himself for his apparent gambit that failed. Right, because now Johnson has taken over Tristan's body instead of... Um... Lecter. Lecter. Who can keep up anymore? Yeah. Um, so Dark Magician Knight does some kind of like jutsu on his sword and it starts glowing with these enchanted runes that like swirl around it like a snake. Um, and so it's super powerful now and it like jumps forward and attacks the dragon and blows it up. And Hooray! now finally the big five all lose. It's actually dead this time. The deck has is dead. And the big five lose all their life points. Yeah, it's it's for real, for real this time. And Yugi has a really great line where he's like, it was a pleasure doing business with you, gentlemen. And then the <laughs> attack happens. <laughs> but the episode isn't over yet. <laughs> so everyone's celebrating the like victory music is playing. Um, Duke says, hey, Tristan, I guess your days of looking like a chimp are over. To which... Monkey Tristan says, I wish I could say the same for you, Duke. Ah, ha, hey! ha, ha, ha. Got him. Got him. Uh, and the big five uh, are, are there in Tristan's body. And they're the, the, the kids are all like, all right, you got to give him his body back. Those are the rules. And the big five say, nah. And then nah. they all jump out and attack. Yes, they all turn, the big five all turn into their deck masters and like fly out of Tristan and they're superheroes again, like we saw a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all fly at the kids to like steal their bodies, but then like short circuit and then they all go, yeah, they get sucked back into Tristan's body, which goes and vanishes and everyone's just standing around like, what? understandable yeah yeah so so uh still no body for tristan i guess (laughs) even though they won so it feels like that should be the prize uh and so we cut over to where the big five go they appear in front of noah and mokuba who are standing on a giant circuit board in space as you do as one does sure uh they plead for their lives and they're like we we just need to get it we were just trying to get our bodies our bodies that we wanted. Come on. Don't trap us Noah, here. Noah says, I'd be better off with five baboons than you fools. Which is a good <laughs> Got line. Got him. Um, uh, and he imprisons each of them in a different corner of his world forever. They go, ah, and like vanish from reality. And they're stuck in the digital realm forever. Uh, and he laughs and he says that it's time to duel Kaiba. Finally. And that is the end of the episode. (laughs) Goodbye, Big Five. Holy shit. Uh, Jimmy, what was the best part of this episode for you? 
God. Uh, okay, last episode, I have to give them credit for this. Last episode, I asked them to please let us see Joey do something good and smart because he's like a champion duelist. He's like second only to Yugi. Please stop making him be stupid and let him do some smart moves. His silver dollar gambit was pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. He was able to save both of them uh, with just like one card. And uh, it was a surprise to everyone, including me. So good job. And it was was finally a strategy. It's a Christmas miracle. Joey was smart. Yeah, it was finally a strategy where Joey doesn't have to barrel the camera and say, luck is my middle name. Yeah, it's it wasn't like random number generator based. It was right. actually just a smart move that he used with a trap card or a magic card or whatever the hell it was. Whatever the whatever the hell it is. Good is job, Joey, Joey is Joey R in Jesus? I think Joey is R in Jesus, or at least he invokes R in Jesus to give him strength when it comes to his incredible luck based gambits. Yeah. What was your favorite? Um I think my favorite is just that we're finally done with the big five, I think. <laughs> it's been so long. We've spent so much time with the big five that I had almost forgotten that like they have no bearing whatsoever on the actual story of Yu-Gi-Oh that we've been and watching like, for like three seasons. Yeah, and like here's the terrifying thing to me, Jimmy, like that felt like forever. That was 16 episodes. We have like 30 more episodes this season. This season? Holy shit. Yeah, this season's long. That felt like it took forever. Now, we we were talking at the start of this episode that time is strange this year. So that might be part of it. Time has been dilated this year. But I'm just so... It's like a... it's, it's, It's a whole new world. I am I am Jasmine on the magic carpet. Yu-Gi-Oh is Aladdin, ready to show me a whole new world, a dazzling place I never knew, a world without Big Five. A world without the Big Five, but we're still in the digital world, so this kid can get his revenge on Kaiba. Well, okay, we gotta keep some parts of the old world. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the old world's traditions can stay, like this kid and his weird revenge quest. But eventually, the tides are turning... The sun, the sun is shining, starting to shine through the clouds. Eventually, we'll get back to whatever the hell Merrick is up to. A, a new fantastic him, point of view. He was getting locked out of a door. All right. Uh, how about the worst part of this episode for you? Worst part of this whole freaking episode is this whole dueling system that was based on needing a deck master or else you lose. But in this episode, you can just have all of the same deck master. Like, right. you can just pick someone else's card and have that be your deckmaster too. And if your deckmaster is destroyed, which should make you lose, you can just summon a new one in its place. Uh, it just feels like they're completely chucking all the rules that are like the central part of this whole season so far. Because it seems like both teams lost their deckmasters several times using increasingly convoluted methods and nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, it... it... Yeah, my my worst, if I may, is very similar. My worst is specifically about the special effects that they added. Mm. Like the, oh, like, oh, and this, exactly what you were saying earlier. It's like two kids just making shit up. Where it's like, oh, and this card does this now. And this card does this. Oh, well, in response, my card does this one perfect thing that I've never heard of before. And it's just like, why? Ostensibly, this is like some sort of climactic battle, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this introduction of new rules now? Like about the deck master and like about the special effects. Like what, what 
what uh, satisfaction does that give the viewers? It would have been so much nicer if they had like just played a whole bunch of cards that they can only play in the the virtual world, like that satellite cannon. Yeah, they had a or or cards or, or strategies that we'd seen before, like in parts, and then bringing stuff together. You know, yeah, like, being able to strategize against like each of the big five in turn using their own strategies against them. Right, would have been nice. Because at this point, you know, they have, like, all these people that have faced off against the different parts of the Big Five. Kaiba's not there, so uh, uh, who did Kaiba fight? Lecter. But Joey fought Lecter at one point, didn't he? They had the yeah. Jinzo on Jinzo thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, between between whoever's standing around there, they could, like, do a power of friendship sort of strategy building session. But and instead, then, like, it's go just... Forth and, like pokemon battling the elite four when you have like one of each type that you like swap in and out and you're able to like defeat the the combined teams but here is that is that how you're supposed to play pokemon yeah if there's a fire type you're supposed to bring out a water type so you can beat it easily oh (laughs) i've been playing pokemon wrong for a while i think i just get my sylveon up to level 100 (laughs) and then just just waltz through yeah (laughs) um yeah i it it was just 20 minutes of all the characters in the show going ah, and one more thing. Yeah. Just completely random stuff that we've never seen before. And it was just like anticlimactic. It it's fucking like, sucked. You could have just done this the whole time and you didn't. And you didn't. And, and the, yeah, I don't know. The, the episode was worse for it. I, I was upset by this episode. I watched it at one speed and it was not worth it. Is there anything else that you want to mention about this episode before we move on to the next part of the show? On that downer note. No, but you know what I just realized? We haven't like rated any of these episodes for like months. Like we used to That's put them true. on the axis. We oh, used well. to we used to chart them on a graph. We have not done that. This this episode would be just all the way on the bottom <laughs> on this this made no story sense and it made it no made mechanical no card, card sense. sense. There are some good gambits involved, but they're just completely out of left field. So do whatever you want. It's Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> do whatever you want. It's Yu-Gi-Oh. Do as thou wilt. Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, there it is. There it is. All right. Yu-Gi-Oh, the ultimate Satanist uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> propaganda show. Uh, okay. With that, let's move into the next part of the show then. Uh, at this point, I'm going to invite my lovely partner, Lauren, to join us in the studio. Lauren. Yes. We have brought you into the studio. For the first time. For the first ever. time ever. Uh, no, Special as we do guest. every week, to play a little game that we like to call You Activated My Podcast Season 3, Yu-Gi-Oh! Or not Season 2, colon, Enter the Task Dungeon. A game in which you, the High Commissioner. Hi. Give us two goofballs a task which two fictional monsters must complete. Uh, Jimmy, I believe you picked first last time. Does that sound right? I think so. Those many moons ago. Um, I'm going to pick first this time, and I'm going to pick Spear Dragon, a card that I picked some time ago, and I'm kind of regretting it. We're just going to see what happens. I wanted to get Spear Dragon out of the way because I didn't want to get caught with Spear Dragon being my last available card. Uh. Well, if you 
are choosing spear dragon, I might as well get a dragon too. And since we saw a five-headed dragon this episode, let's downgrade uh-huh. a bit. The five-headed dragon was a bit much, so I'm going to go with twin-headed thunder dragon. <laughs> Only two heads. It's Only two. one head, but not as much. Four-headed dragon. The thing about twin-headed thunder dragon is it doesn't really have two heads. It's got one head but two mouths. Oh, and one really upsetting mouth. Yeah, it's very, very bad to look at. I don't like it. How how does the esophagus on this boy work? <laughs> That's the esophageal situation. Is they, there's like a Y-shaped branch, and one of them just oh. like has food just go plop right down the middle. Is is one for eating and one for breathing? Maybe <laughs> is that? But, his but they both hole? have they both have teeth. It's toothed blowhole. Uh, we didn't describe this. the The second mouth is on the back of the neck of this <laughs> pink bubblegum dragon. What a does that? Charles Darwin would kill himself if he saw this. <laughs> it's very like no face. It also has bird feet. It seems to be yeah. a lizard, but it has bird feet. It also has like three separate unicorn horns like glued together coming out of its snout. It yeah. seems to be a bubblegum abomination. A bubblegum bitch. <laughs> Meanwhile, my monster, uh, a spear dragon, is over here just looking like a pterodon with a, a, a <laughs> nose problem. I forgot what this thing looks like. What a, what a sad creature. How does it's, it it's do a pterodon with a with just a really pointy nose, like picture the penguin from uh, what is it, Batman Returns, but just a little bit pointier. That's a long ass nose, a mostly long nose, a long ass nose. No, that's well, we can't see its ass actually in in the picture. It could, it could it's facing that, towards well, us. Well, and we we don't really know the physiology of this monster. That could be its ass that we're looking at. We don't really understand how this thing works. Uh, okay, Lauren, yeah. pardon me. Hi, Commissioner Lauren. Hi. We Thank you. Have Please chosen use our my monsters. Full title at all times. Um, I know that uh, that you have an early morning tomorrow, so I want to make sure that we can get this done speedy. Like, I've been working long hours this week. Uh, tell us, please, what the task you have prepared for us this week is. I know that this is not the Christmas special, however. I would like to get into the holiday spirit. Please make me a holiday dessert. Oh, holiday dessert. A now, cheerful, festive sweet. Now, I, I do think I know where this is coming from because we have been watching a lot, <laughs> a lot of Sugar Rush Christmas, a Netflix original series hosted by Hunter March, who's wonderful. Uh, and uh, and his his uh, longtime lover Adriana. Oh Zumbo. my god! <laughs> uh, no 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 we we just ship them. That's that's entirely just our head cannon. Yeah, we have this weird B plot going. Uh, okay, so a sweet treat. Do we have any sort of a backstory for why we're making a sweet treat? Do you want us to because fill that in for Christmas you? Because it's the Christmas season, Tyler. Yeah, I just want a festive holiday treat. Okay. It doesn't, and I will say. It does not have to be Christmas. A a winter festivus pastry. Ah, uh, thank you. Or confection. Thank you for including festivus for the rest of us. Yeah, the rest sure. of us appreciate it. I mean, if you want to make the Hanukkah donuts, I'm very sorry that I can't say the actual name of them. If you want to make a non-denominational wintertime dessert, I want 
a festive confection. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, I picked a the monster. Yule log. Ooh. Perhaps. Ooh. I should stop giving you ideas. Uh, Jimmy, I I picked the monster first, so you can give your description of how a twin-headed thunder dragon would make a festive treat. <laughs> twin-headed thunder dragon is going to make the really the only festive treat that I know how to make. <laughs> so okay. I don't I don't want to part the kimono too much, but. Uh, Twin headed thunder dragon is <laughs> no, going to make. Please, you are baking, sir. Keep that komodo on. <laughs> Twin headed yeah, thunder dragon. Yeah, you don't want the oil to splatter. Twin headed thunder dragon uh, has two mouths, and so that's a lot of mouths to feed. And so instead of going for like intricacies, you don't want this guy to like spend all his time trying to make like a gingerbread house or something. Um, oh, well, and has claws. Yeah, it would be hard to like decorate with claws. So Twin-Headed Thunder Dragon is going to make my favorite holiday treat, which is Buckeyes. And Buckeyes, if you're unfamiliar, are balls of peanut butter and sugar dipped in chocolate. Uh, Twin-Headed Thunder Dragon is uniquely suited for s- small, delightful little treats like that, little round treats, made specifically for volume, because you get a handful of those things, uh, you can just raise them above your head and drop them into your dorsal mouth. So Twin-Headed Thunder Dragon is going to have a bowl. He's going to sit down, uh, watch a Muppet Christmas Carol. He's going to use his awful chicken feet to just, like, take a bunch of dough, spend some time just kind of absentmindedly rolling it into little balls, but arranging them on a baking sheet, and then dipping them into hot chocolate later. Um, and then... Um, yeah, you bake them a little bit, you put them in the fridge, and when you're done, they come out nice and delightful, and you, you can just take as many as you want at a time. And it's usually a lot, because Twin-Headed Thunder Dragon uh, has two mouths to eat with. And so the thing about Twin-Headed Thunder Dragon is that he can talk to you while still eating, and he's uniquely oh, suited to make Christmas treats, because, <laughs> because he's got the two mouths. So while he's on a Zoom call with twin-headed thunder dragon's family and i guess in this scenario with lauren uh he he, he'll he'll make your own separate batch and ship them to you in the mail oh that's nice Uh, but while he's talking to you on a zoom call letting you know uh that this is the most festive time of the year he can also still just be taking handfuls of buckeyes and dropping them down his (laughs) neck mouth (laughs) Twin-headed thunder dragon, I'm very sorry for interrupting on this. Twin-headed thunder dragon's face looks like the face of the evil scientist from Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. I can kind of see it. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) With his, like, weird duck mouth. Yeah. And his strange teeth. Frogs what? I love frog's wart. Frog's breath. Frog's breath, pardon me. Wow. What's what's the wart one? Uh, I don't know. She poisons him with deadly nightshade every time. That's right. And hides it with frog's breath. The doctor is uh, one of my I- favorite characters, specifically for the scene where he like flips his head latch open and scratches his brain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Jimmy, a yes. question. I'd be happy a to very clarify. important a very important question. So much hinges upon this. You know what else hinges? His second mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the peanut butter. Crunchy or smooth? 
You want them smooth because they uh, roll up into spheres easier that way. Otherwise, you'd have little bumps and stuff in them. And you don't, if you're eating buckeyes, you don't want them to crunch. I suppose you could, but obviously, in this scenario, Twin-Headed Thunder Dragon is making it for you. So you can specify the kind of peanut butter. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. Very interesting. Thank you for that information, Tyler. Okay, so uh, I I don't often make holiday uh, confections, so th- this is not something that I can really pull uh, from with like personal experience as far as making it. However, <laughs> can I just say sorry? About... I'm looking at both of our monsters, and both of them are uniquely unsituated to working in a kitchen because yeah. either time any of them like moves their head, they're gonna knock all your pots and pans off the shelves. <laughs> oh, horribly unfit for the jobs. Um, the, the thing that comes to mind for me when I think of seasonal treats is, uh, I've, I've talked about this a, f- a few times on the show. My family used to live pretty close to Apple Hill in California. Mm. And, uh, something that I think about when I think about seasonal treats is apple cider donuts. Mm. Uh, and it used to be sort of a winter tradition that we would drive to Apple Hill and get apple cider donuts. So I think what the spear dragon does is make donuts for a couple reasons. Oh. A fairly you don't need a lot of uh uh manual dexterity to make a, a donut uh you can get a tool to do the punching out of the holes um you, you can you know just put them in a fryer and and take them out with like one of those uh baskets because you know he's got uh got big wings <laughs> there's not a lot of like arm motion that spear dragon can take advantage of so getting them together a lot of donut dough frying the donuts, covering it in uh, cinnamon, and mm. uh, like you get some uh, little bits of like apple peel that you can grate a little bit. Um, you get lots of sugar, of course, um, and just making these really nice uh, apple donuts that are just slightly crispy on the outside and then soft and gooey on the inside. And the reason I I think that Spear Dragon would gravitate towards donuts is there's a game that Spear Dragon can invite you and your family to play (laughs) after all the donuts have been made. And it's specifically played with the cast-offs because you don't want to waste good donuts. So for once Spear Dragon's getting towards the end of the batch, starts making the donuts a little bit smaller to stretch them out, these tiny donuts... You get in like a in a in a bag, and if if you go to like um like family run donut shops, you'll occasionally see this where they have like, well, here's the last, I don't know, baker's dozen for the day. Uh, yeah, just uh, here's a box, just take them, right? Um, because like, what are they gonna do? They're just gonna they're just gonna rot otherwise. So that's what these donuts are. They're the cast off apple cider donuts, and Spear Dragon hands them to you and invites you to play. A game of ring toss <laughs> on his snoot <laughs> on his long schnoz uh and if you get a donut onto spear dragon's nose which is easier than it might look because spear dragon actually has a defense of zero so fairly easy to hit uh you get the other confection that spear dragon has been making back in the kitchen because what do you get after making donut uh, after making donuts oh, i almost just gave it away there for a second oh Whew. the other thing that you get when you make donuts is donut holes the holes just don't just go away jimmy of course not. i know what you're thinking i know what you're thinking the, the donuts have never had anything in the middle well that's where you're wrong the hole is its own separate thing 
And this is where the Spear Dragon can get creative with flavors. You have chocolate dip donut holes. You have uh, uh, white chocolate dip donut holes. You have uh, raspberry cream-filled donut holes. You have Bavarian cream-filled donut holes. You have all sorts of different manner of holes made while the Spear Dragon uh, is, is entertaining you with this uh, game of ring toss. And as you win, you get... Uh, uh, sort of the other fruits of Spear Dragon's labor. Delicious. Wow. And that, I think, is how Spear Dragon would uh, both entertain uh, your your eyes, your heart, and your stomach this holiday season. My one rebuttal that I will offer this delightful holiday tableau is that uh, if <laughs> to in order to fit around Spear Dragon's face, the donuts would have to be pretty uh, non-stable. They would have to be some pretty stretched out donuts. Those are going to crumble instantly. If <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. These are the, these are the cast the These are the ones that are. We know we're making the ring toss donuts at this point. Also, your guy doesn't have opposable thumbs, so like you know, he doesn't have know. opposable thumbs. He does have three opposable chicken feet fingers. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> They're there. They they sure are attached to that body. <laughs> Tyler, please describe for me how does Spear Dragon make the donuts with those wings? Yeah, so I think a lot of it is just Very utilizing. Hey, <laughs> I think a lot of it is just utilizing the the tools that are sort of built for donut making. You know, you've got like uh, the the tools where you can cut the the hole out of the donut and get it shaped, sort of like a like a cookie cutter, like mm-hmm. a stamp. Um, you've got the baskets that you can put the dough in and like dip it into the fryer, or take it out. Um, so it's, it's a lot of, uh, uh, sort of staying in one spot in the kitchen and then using, um, several different tools built for the, the job. Not something that, um, uh, uh, Alton Brown would approve of, you know, there's a lot of unitaskers in the kitchen, mm. uh, sort of, sort of tools specifically made for making donuts. But mm-hmm. in this case, you got to do what you got to do. And what Spear Dragon got to do is make the donuts. I've made my decision. Although it is not, well, I guess neither of them are really technically Christmas-specific treats, are they? No, you you gave us some flexibility yeah. there. I did, I did. You're you're not wrong. Um, so although it is not technically a wintertime treat, it's more of a falltime treat. Being apple flavored, I am gonna give it to Spear Dragon. Hey. Today. I, I knew that was coming the second I saw that you're gonna make donuts. And I saw yeah. his freaking long nose. Donuts. Yeah. I like that it comes with an activity. And uh, a fun I like... game for the whole family. I did want you to say that he was going to use the nose to punch the donut holes out. Um, oh, that's fair. I did think about that, but yeah. that's just like that gets unsanitary pretty quickly, you know, because he can't. I, I don't know yeah, if he can wash his own true. nose. That's true. <laughs> just run it under he the sink. Put- from across the room. A, could put like a condom on it or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, or a one finger of a glove, I don't right. know. <laughs> well, hooray, thank you. And you and you're right. I guess that is sort of a fall time treat. But I, I grew up in California. The, yeah. Like there's there's two seasons, right? There's there's hot and there's windy. Mm. And I do like those. I've been to Apple Hill with you, and I do like those uh, apple cider donuts. This whole segment has made good. me so freaking hungry. I know, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, 
Thank you, High Commissioner Lauren. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Uh, we, we appreciate your presence as ever. Um, I, I, we did receive an email from the mayor of Simi City, uh, Simi Simerson, a.k.a. the architect. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to find just the one part that I wanted to, uh, to call out for you. Uh, at the end of the email, <laughs> Simi provided a lesson to learn for, for Jimmy and myself. I don't appreciate Simi saying that I was butthurt. Well, no, so hang on, so hang on. So, so at the end of the email, Simi, Simi says, it's lesson. true, but I don't appreciate Lesson it. to learn. Even if you give Lauren everything she asks for <laughs> and the superior rebuttal, you are never guaranteed the win. Continue working hard and know that if nothing else, I see the excellent job you have done. Most excellent work, you three. His Royal Majesty Mayor Simi Simerson of Simi City, a.k.a. the Architect. P.S. I don't really dislike your idea or execution of it, Jimmy, referring to last week's episode. And Lauren is, of course, free to make her own, parentheses, wrong <laughs> choice based on whatever criteria she desires, whatever mercurial, inconsistent, unfairly balanced against Tyler criteria she desires, parentheses, still kidding, don't hate me. You know, when you gave me this game, everyone, collectively, when everyone got together and gave me this game, you all said it didn't have to be based on logic or scores. It oh, could it just still doesn't. Be well, and it's not clearly. It could just be my choice to make, and these are these are the choices that I make. So I may be wrong. No, you're not wrong. I, is the point? You are always right. But I have made them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that is your role. That's the game as we designed it. This is a game we play for fun on a podcast. This isn't international significance. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I appreciate no the folks who, who write to us as though it is. Thank you again for your email, Simi. Yeah, uh, if funny. you want to email us, as the mayor of Simi City did, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. There's also a form on our website, heartofthe.cards. Uh, if you want to join uh, the other fans of the show and, and chat with like-minded folks, you can go to heartofthe.cards slash discord. There's also a link to that on our website. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, as always, at YAMPOD, Y-A-M-P-O-D. Next week, we are not watching Yu-Gi-Oh! Next week is our Christmas special. It will be coming out... Uh, Sometime. Uh, trying to, it, it'll be coming out either Christmas morning or Boxing Day, depending on when I actually get it done. Uh, what are you... What it? Background music. Oh, thank you. Lauren just started singing something. I was like, is this a, is this a bit I need to be quiet for? No. Okay. All right. Um, next week, Jimmy, we, we know that we're going to do something like we did last year where we watch something that's not Yu-Gi-Oh. We're going to include Lauren. The high commissioner is going to be there the whole time. Uh, we did not, however, decide what we were going to watch. Yeah, we did. You decided it earlier today. Well, no, so I had an idea earlier today. Oh, so last year, you'll remember, we watched Beyblade. Was that really only last year? Yes. Or was that the year before that? No, that was last year. It feels like so much longer. It was so ago. long. We were we were in this house. Yeah, I guess so. This whole this episode is actually about the passage of time and not Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> um, this year, I wanted to pitch that we watch something that I have personally been obsessed with. Obsessed? He can't let it go. Jimmy, I would very much like to watch with you and Lauren, <laughs> the Netflix original movie, The Princess Switch. The what? 
The Princess Switch, starring Vanessa Hudgens and Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> Have you not heard of this? No. Oh, so you've muted me on Twitter is what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, A, that's a good on choice. Twitter is spreadsheets. That's fair. Well, that's I posted a lot of that today. Uh the princess switch. Let me let me find the um, plot here. All of your Twitter is spreadsheets. That's <laughs> a good summary. Yeah, that's of the last few months. That's fair. Uh, okay, here's here's the two word or the not two word. Here's the two. <laughs> all your tw- all your Twitter is spreadsheets. Colin, the Tyler Robertson story. <laughs> I mean, not wrong. Uh. The the two-sentence synopsis of Netflix's The Princess Switch starring Vanessa Hudgens is, competing in a Christmas baking competition in Belgravia, a Chicago baker bumps into the prince's fiance, who looks just like her. They switch lives for two days. Okay. So this, I'm, if you're okay with it, I'm going <laughs> to save my conspiracy theories for our Christmas special. But this film is the keystone to the unified Netflix Christmas universe. Wow. And I am so ready to talk about it. (laughs) You're suggesting that this is the same universe as Stranger Things. Uh, No, because that is not a Christmas movie. Okay. There is specifically a universe of Christmas movies that are all unified, and it implies the existence of an infinite number of Vanessa Hudgenses, and that's as much as I'm going to say. Into the Hudgensverse. (laughs) <laughs> we are entering the Hudgens verse next week. All right, that settles it. Have you seen this movie already? I've not seen this movie oh, actually. I've just have. I've read you're literally just, everything you're just about obsessed it. With this movie you haven't seen yet. Yeah, okay. well, because I've been saving it because I like Lauren wanted to watch it with me, and then I was thinking we could watch I it for this. I only wanted to. Wa- I have to say, I only wanted to watch it with you because you were you're so obsessed with it. So we're gonna watch this movie. Okay. Uh, so next week, uh, like I said, either uh, oh, Lauren just unplugged my headphone. Wow, <laughs> not, rude. Not on purpose, I'm sorry. I can say anything right now, and Tyler won't hear me. Uh, no, I'm plugged back in now. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so next week, uh, either depending on when I get time to edit the episode, either Christmas or the day after, we will have our Christmas special, wherein we watch the 2018 masterpiece film. The princess switch. Ooh, what? Woo! What do you <laughs> want? I don't know. I don't know. What I was expecting. I just wanted somebody to say something. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. We will talk to you all at that time. Uh, I hope you have a good rest of your week. And until next time. I don't think we even brought up this line during the episode, but when Yugi brings out the magical hat, Selector says, It's impolite to wear hats in a place of business. <laughs>